Hello and welcome to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting, the show where we bring you tips, tricks and techniques that we wish we knew as young songwriters. On this show we focus on interviews, we focus on resources, subjects you're going to find useful and you can go home and you can use them today. So thank you so much for listening and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. On today's show, we are lucky enough to have British husband and wife team, Amy Lydon and Nick Morell, who have written the music and lyrics to the stage musical of Jason and the Golden Fleece. This is accompanied by an original book the pair have written based on Jason and the Argonauts. Amy and Nick's musical has been developed into a full-scale family show and tells the story of the Greek mythological hero, Jason, and his epic quest for the Golden Fleece. Featuring a blend of musical styles from rock and roll to rap and a host of Western stars, please welcome Amy and Nick. Thank you very much. Hello. Nice <laughs> welcome, guys. No, honestly, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. So I have a double question to get you started, and then we'll jump into more kind of craft stuff. So why did you choose the Golden Fleece? I grew up on that story as a kid. And secondly, doing a musical, are you guys mad? <laughs> yes. <laughs> be various suggestions about going off and being a trappist monk or a recluse <laughs> instead of writing a musical i think it's uh, that would be easy. it'd be quicker wouldn't it doing a three yeah yeah it certainly would yeah it's quite an epic task um in terms of the in terms of st- settling on the story yeah i think because we initially conceived it as a school production we were trying to think of things of a slightly educational nature absolutely so yeah. like good stories that were slightly known that had that educational value and i think we were just lucky in that sense because since that means it's become quite a family friendly almost disney feel yeah um definitely. story and mm. i think we were just lucky that we came via that route and ended up with something that people maybe slightly already know or might have done at school or vaguely heard of because then it feels like an adaptation of something famous when actually it's not necessarily so famous or by someone living absolutely Um, yeah so that's how we came around to that i actually remember the the conversation we had because we we were going through these actually which myths should we do you know down in the Persis and the Minotaur, all these other ones. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remembered a book that I was given, an Usborne book, mm. um, when I was given for my, I think my sixth birthday. Okay. And you I happened it? to recall, it was an Usborne book, Jason and the Argonauts. I happened to recall it was in the bottom of a book case at home. And we had this conversation walking around Richmond Park, going through. I said, oh, I'll just pull it out when we get home. And it's illustrated. And uh, and it still said, you know, to Nick from Henry on your you know sixth birthday or something. Lovely. So that well for me that as well as 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 everything else that was a starting point for this particular one because we had it there in glorious technicolor uh, to sort of to ponder um, after that yeah. conversation. Yeah. So, we like had the idea walking across the park and very quickly got excited. I think like had really clear ideas from the start, like oh the golden fleece is going to spring to life and sing because it's a musical, oh, so that's wow. obviously what should happen raced home, talked about it more, found this book and like already we kind of started writing it almost there and I think then because we were quite to, you know, excited. See, yeah, see what would happen. Did you yeah. literally go home and I'm assuming yourself, do you play piano? Do you take care of that? And you take care of the singing as a trained singer? Um, no, so we're kind of a bit of both. So we both, um, I'm so both at school, we both studied by coincidence piano and violin and oh, singing, both of us. Ah, so um, Both choruses, well, I'd like to add. I mean, you guys got to 
don't blow the microphones up with those voices. You <laughs> <can hear. laughs> oh, there's no chance <laughs> of that these days. <laughs> but yeah, we were both trained from a really young age in music. Um, classically trained, though. Yeah. And um, therefore, with our writing, I mean, Nick, in theory, is way more qualified than me because he went and did music <laughs> at university while I was doing languages and other things. But um, so in terms of writing, we both do a bit of the music and the piano. Which must be helpful, um, no? Yeah, which is it. great. I think with singing, you know... We, Amy's a, as you know, a classical classical singer of, uh, by by uh, by training and for profession. And um, I did a fair amount of it at university. And I think we found as well between us when it comes to mocking up songs and putting them down just as a, a rough impression that between us we've got the the, uh, the 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 ability, I suppose, just to at least mock things up and make them sound yeah. a bit. You know, yeah, how, we how like make guide sound. tracks of yeah. us singing, which is I think is the neighbours probably are sick of it. <laughs> <to be honest. laughs> but you guys have got, not only have you got, you've got male and female voice covered as well, range, so you guys can I go, do female. <laughs> I knew that. I just, I but yeah. obviously you, you have that wonderful advantage as well. And if you wouldn't mind, how do you go about it? If you've got the embryo of a song, if you will, the start of a song, how do you go through taking that melodically? How do you record it? And how does it kind of bring to life, come to life? Well, for me... If it's we work in similar ways, I like to sit down and play chords and get out a pencil and some manuscript paper and do it Wonderful. the old-fashioned way. The computer mm-hmm. is nowhere, nowhere to be seen. Um, that's how I was taught. It makes me sound very old. I'm not that old, but but you know we were taught to write music with a pencil. We had a very fastidious music teacher who wouldn't let us leave the room until every bar line was straight, every yeah, t- right. key signature was correct. <laughs> uh, he would play it through, and, and you know. So, I you suppose, have that skill, which is wonderful. Yes, I mean, you, do you need that skill these days? Arguably not, but I like to start that way. Um, and I think in the way that we've come to work, you do as well, actually. I've seen you, you know, scribbled. We, 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 we're very, get yeah, it we all out. Sit, we sit at the uh, piano with pen and paper, just like making a lot of mess, basically. Yeah, and there's this theory, like, are you writing down the notes? Are you writing down the... Enough to be able to to play it back just for us. I mean, if we put it in mm. front of anyone else, they they think it was struggle. Trash. These days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It wouldn't, well, that, well it, w- it wouldn't even be intelligible. It's just pencil marks yeah, with just a like few. Chord. Yeah. Makes sense to yeah. Us. Chord markings with a rough ch- tune notated over. You the have top. your own language, you were saying. Well, no. <laughs> I used to call it that. It's just scrawling. But there's a, there's yeah. a technical term there. Is it, is it free score or uh, where you graphics? Uh, where you draw graphic score? Where you draw? Oh, I see. Oh, nothing. Nothing like that. Nothing that amazing, but. More of a lead sheet. Might try that for yeah. the next one, though. It's not but a bad idea. What chords do you borrow from as well, if you don't mind? Because we we kind of talk about how a lot of people just use the same... Well, the four-chord song. Exactly. You've seen so, that. Yeah, Axis Access of Awesome. That's the one. Yeah. We, we, every, <laughs> every, ben so talked about so it, you guys uh, talked yeah. about it. So do you start from that base? I'll go with Amy because I haven't talked about your process. But So, um, no, we don't. Um, I think, yeah, maybe you guys could tell us more about this, but... Because of our classical training, I think it's um, it's sort of more from our how to explain this. It's more from our heads, but we have a sense of kind of the rules, maybe of what a good melodic shape looks like mm-hmm. for a tune, and then the chords kind of follow. So I don't think we start with chords or start with an aim to follow a particular chord sequence or anything. It's more. And particularly with musical theatre, although to be honest, we would probably work this way writing a more commercial song too. It's more kind of text and tune led and then we make the choices about the chord options from there. From there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. If that makes sense. And and you and you mentioned as well because 
with musical theatre, for those of you guys who don't know, often on stage the character will have, um, you know, beats to hit or have a story to get to. And obviously if you've got Jason the Argonauts, you need to mention certain things. So how often do you sit there with a plan? Are you going, okay, this song needs to go across this scene or this section of the story, you know, does that affect it? I don't think there's any fixed way. I mean, I think one of the joys of songwriting is that you you do just get gripped by an image or an idea and you run with it. Yeah. And I mean lots of stuff that I've started off writing and taken, you know, a third or two thirds of the way through and got quite excited about. And then you sort of come back to it a few weeks later and go, actually, you know what? We'll save yeah. that for a rainy day, but that's not right. <laughs> and you just got to live with that. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's no, no sort of set, set process. Other, other times, you know, we'll be reading through the book and something that's been scripted, uh, you know, page of narrative or something, suddenly on a on another reading actually you know that's a song point i don't want to hear yeah. that spoken i don't want to hear dialogue that should be sung and you get those you get those instincts i said well we both do you know that that needs to spring off the page it needs to be music yeah. I th- led i think because with musical theater that kind of cringy moment where people break into song which which some people find quite yeah. hard to stomach but the song points in a show tend to come from, you know, when a character, when the emotional is, is overwhelming enough that they need to sing. Um, oh, wow. That's well put. Yeah, you know, well you've put. got a script there like you're watching a play. And then at a moment where the drama is heightened, there's enough emotion in one character or in a group of people that right. they feel the need to express it. That kind of generally tends to be when the music kicks in. Um, and so I we'd sort of plotted out the storyboard, the the rough scenes and the sections of the show. And then the song points kind of grow from there, you know, where are the peaks in the drama? And and therefore when you're writing, you have quite a specific sense of what the theme of the song, you know, you're really in it in terms of who the character is, what their particular emotion is at that point. And therefore you're, yeah, you're writing very specifically for the moment like absolutely you're structuring at a point in time in if that makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's really interesting because again i wouldn't know that coming from the outside in as 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 a writer that you guys have to not only have it in front of you as a script essentially you're, you're writing a play then you go at what point does this pick up enough that yeah you can write a song about it that's really clever so i'm only repeating that for myself um so if, if i if i can um so you guys have a song called bring me to the fleece yeah. Which here in Umbrella Sounds, you had Bradley Jaden do it for you. Yeah. He has got the most brilliant voice. It's beautiful. And, and his it's absolutely beautiful. intention when you see the video, yes. uh, his acting intention, he acts through every single line of the song and it's just yeah. a joy to behold. I mean, I was, he's yeah. brilliant. I was saying to you guys, because I, I watched it a couple of times and I've got... Because he's done it, he's done it in the room here. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. normally, like you said, I'll record and I'll just be in the dark and I'll be focusing on just the takes. I won't be looking. But Bradley, you guys need to watch it. So go on the Golden Fleece and go and check out the song because, as you said, his intention is absolutely wonderful. And he's there. You can see him looking. And I think that's what you guys have brought to the song. So on the page, you know, what did Bradley bring to it for you guys compared to? And if you can, sorry, my main point is writing that song. How did you know that was the point you wanted to bring out? Well, it was written, of course, for the school show originally. So, yes. you know, Bradley's bought, it's been in several, through several incarnations actually prior to, to, to Bradley's um, version of it. Mm. Um, but, the, you know, going back to the, the, the origin of the song in the school show, it was, you know, Jason needs that slightly cliched mm. emotional moment where he's 
looking to what is about to happen, the adventure he's about to go through with this sort of motley bunch of True. lunatics who, mm. are, who, who are accompanying him. Um, so I suppose it, it came from there. And then we like the idea that that, you know, that's uh, you gods above protect my fate. There's something there that he's imploring yeah, yeah. this, you know, the divine. Is it his parents? He, he's, he's learned, he, he thinks are dead at that point. Uh, is it the gods who are going to help him through this? So it, there was a very strong emotional uh, pull for that song As in, you're the, saying, in the school show. He's hit a threshold, so he has to have that song written. Yeah, exactly. Know. It's kind of um, tension and release almost, you know, things have stacked up for that character and there comes a natural yeah. point where they have to kind of convey that through singing, I think. It's like the start of the hero's journey, if you will, like for me. Yeah, song, exactly. Know, where he, realize, he goes from a boy or a man on the island to, yeah. I know what I need to do. And maybe an interesting thing to talk with you guys about is that, of course, in musical theatre, we're dealing with actors, you know, mm. um, trained performers who are not only singers but actors and embodying the character. So, like, for that song, we sent a lot of context to Bradley in advance as to the character, what his intentions and feelings would be at that moment yeah. for him to really interpret it before he came to sing the song. Um so and I guess that's work. very different from a kind of singer, songwriter, producer in the studio or collaborating on the spot processes that, you know, we've created something and then we sort of hand it over to to the artist with as much information yeah. as possible for them to interpret and act it through um, and find like how the character speaks to them, um, which is quite a cool process in terms of sort of trusting someone to you know, trusting someone with your work. And yeah, he absolutely nailed it. And it's just, it's a really beautiful moment as a writer. I think this is what I found the best part of writing this piece, whether it's been watching the school show or seeing these West End performers um, make studio recordings now, yeah. is when you see someone else really understanding the words of the song and really like giving it their all. Um, Which he did. You guys Yeah, maybe finding yeah. new things in it that you hadn't even mm. thought or like really buying into a particular emotional moment or whatever. And that, I think that's the most fulfilling part for me of, of writing this stuff. Yeah. I mean, mm. in my head, when you were speaking about that, it's like, I'd almost want to send my demo singer or my artist, you know, your intention, this is where you are in your life story. Like you've given a scene and your intentions going forward as an actor, but maybe we can bring that to commercial writing. Like, you know, it's not just turn up and sing a song, whatever it's, you know, how are you going to do it? Cause as you can see with Bradley, He's brought so much to it, like you're saying. So that could be a really good point for people listening. Like, you know, put more into your demos than just singing them or just yeah. producing them. You know, it's I really think interesting. It, it is, a, you know, there's a big, there's a big school of, of acting that, that talks about intentions. I mean, Amy would know more about this because you, you know, you, you, you trained with, with some of that where you just yeah. you action everything. You know, what is the intention? What is that person thinking? For every single line, every single movement. Absolutely. And now you can possibly take that to extremes and it, but there is a lot of sense in it you if can never yeah. prepare enough i don't think or research uh, enough. Yeah, like yeah and i'm sure that the very best mainstream artists are at the top probably because of their intention for the same reasons because of how the song comes across in terms of their belief in the words or their commitment to the intention of what they're singing wonderful um, really wonderful you know and if you've done yeah. your homework on that 
it will come through in the vo- like in the voice. Um, the performance, yeah. Because yeah. that's what it is, isn't it? You know, it might be a bit more obvious musical theatre because you're looking at everything in front of you, costumes, you know, that kind of thing. But that's what we're hearing, these great songs, these number one albums. So yeah, yeah. I re- thank you guys for bringing that up because it's really cool to, to bring that into It probably has a lot, a lot to do with why so many writers, artists tend to work with their same circles because they get them so much, they get what they're talking about, especially even from a production side as well. Yeah. The producer can get has that link straight into the artist's, the writer's head. Yeah, they can and, be vulnerable, I guess, yeah. with the people they know. You can be, yeah, you're most vulnerable as an artist. Yeah. I would say that is a good thing to bring up in terms of tips for, for aspiring songwriters. Though, it, so, yeah. You know, <clears throat> know your team or get, get it's, you know, mm. it is the people that make these things happen. And if you've got a group of people, you know, very small group of people who you who could trust and you can be totally honest with and, and feel free to criticise, not like you're having to, you know, nod along and go with everything that's been said. That's very special. And mm. and if you have that, if you're lucky enough to have it, you should recognise it and, yeah, and treasure it. Yeah. 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 There's a great um, yeah. documentary um, on Netflix, The Defiant Ones, and there's a great thing with Jimmy Iovine um, in that he talks about his days working in a studio and he was working with Bruce Springsteen and he was getting sick of it because it, they were all going around the studio hitting things with drumsticks looking for the perfect drum this this perfect mm. sound and it was because they the artists they kind of knew exactly what the sound they were looking for and he learned a big lesson from that because he got to that point of that breaking point where he was like I'm I'm done I'm going to walk out I'm fed up but he hey, he got kind of pulled aside by someone a bit more senior than him and said look you need to just you know hone in this is it's about them it's their project. They understand what's going, you know, where it's yeah. leading. And that's absolutely right. And you've got to, you know, you do have to, you do have to trust other people's instincts as well. And mm. it's probably, you know, a big thing I've learned from our, our working together on this project is, you know, Amy's got a fantastic instinct for lots of things, which I don't. Sometimes I think. And that, vice that, versa. Well, what are they? Too kind. In mind, because you guys did come on to our normal questions of co-writing relationships and you guys have really special ones so well yeah i mean it's well so we're husband and wife we've not yeah. mentioned that already which um which which has its advantages and disadvantages um it's amazing in the sense with regard to what we've just been talking about we can be um very frank with each other and very yeah. kind of vulnerable in the writing process like very open um, I'm probably not very good at like holding back when I think Nick has done something that's not good enough, but you know, I suppose we're close enough. Um, you know, yeah. perhaps like a duo who are really good friends or something within a writing dynamic. I think we're in a perfect analogy, by the way. So yeah, keep going. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Where we can, I think the result is better for it that we're close because we can really push and push and both of us can make contributions. And if we feel like, oh, you're, we might say, you know, oh, you're nearly there with that idea. I'm not quite liking it yet. What if we tried this or whatever? We can give quite a lot of honest feedback in both directions. Um, But the disadvantage is that, you know, two in the morning you suddenly realize you want to change something or whatever you yeah. wake the other person up and go oh i've got it it should be like this or whatever um which <laughs> is not very tomorrow. healthy probably. Yeah. yes yes um, I, th- I think um you know n- knowing when to uh to to acknowledge someone else's very strongly held 
uh, impetus <laughs> okay, okay. Or, or, yes. or idea. You know, you could tell. You have to go. I've learned, I think, to go with. Um, you know, certain things Amy does really well to emotion, emotional intentions, which we just touched on. Yeah. Which I just, I just don't. I get them once I've seen them and As I can you run said with it. Bradley, but I, yeah, indeed. It, yeah. But I would never necessarily come up with them uh, in the first place. And I, you know, I've really learned to trust your instinct and your sort of skill for 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 those, you know, these sort of emotive points or what what the intentions of the text or what's the song really about. I mean, you know, I'd I grew up with '90s pop music and you know the, yeah. the banal yeah. lyrics, and that 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 would be my con- contribution on on lyrics, which doesn't cut it for musical theatre. So uh, that's know. a really good point, sorry, because there's again, like I said when I met you guys, like so many questions bubbling. But musical theatre lyrics, I wanted to say, how do you approach that, and if you can reference it against modern writing, which might be more simple. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I think I'm I'm lyrics really are Amy's forte in this in, mm. in our writing. You know, I. I I, I sometimes come up with a buzzword or the song should be, you know, this, that, or the other, Yeah. which, which some of which we do carry through, but really padding it out and, and say, well, what is that actually about? That's definitely your, so Amy, yeah. your strength. So um, strength. with musical theatre, like we've said, it sort of emerges from the drama. So the lyrics are very specific mm-hmm. um, to the point in the show. And very, yeah. I yeah. actually wrote, a lot of the lyrics for the show um, in a cafe near our flat because I couldn't really sort them out at home. Like we might have, we might have latched onto an idea for a melody or something and come up with some lyrics on the spot, you know, some of verse one and probably most of the chorus. But then I would sort of take it away and sit in a cafe and with pen and paper, like it was a poem kind of um, edit it, come up with the next verses maybe hone the chorus lyrics and think, no, actually that would be a stronger line or whatever. So, so would you say that you have that kind of initial stage of creation, getting that, you know, verse pre-chorus idea, and then you go and kind of take a step back, even on your own, and start to edit quite critically? Yeah, exactly that. So we would be playing around with musical ideas. I would on the spot come up with some text for those ideas some a lot of which we've probably stuck with, to be honest, because sometimes your first instinct on those things is right, I think, yeah. in a musical theatre yeah. context. And then, yeah, then I've sort of had to take it away, sit on my own and really think about whether those words were saying what we wanted them to say and then fill in all the other verses and in a musical context yeah. kind of slightly tick boxes to what you want to get across hmm. in those that, few sorry? minutes yeah. of song. What is that? Because you do um, tend to hear a sense of, when you hear a musical theatre song, you hear a musical theatre song, if that makes sense. So what do you yeah. have to consciously And this might of? be why it becomes a bit cringy, is that I suppose it moves away, I suppose it moves away from the generic and focusing maybe on one emotion that's like repeated for the length of a song, it might have to kind of get through more topics, basically. So if you imagine in the script, there are topics to be got through, things you have to learn as an audience, like, you know, um, Jason has lost his parents. He's on his way down the mountain. He (laughs) arrives at the city he was born in. He meets some Argonauts. He gets on a boat. 
we learn X, Y, Z about his past while he's on the boat. And we have to learn that because at the end, Absolutely. it will make sense when, you know, the twist happens or whatever's going yeah. on in the story. Similarly, in musical theatre, the songs kind of have to keep doing that. So sometimes they have to contain, you know, actual information that will further the drama. Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Like a continuation You can't of the get script. away with it like so you might be able to. Other part. info yeah. might need to be contained. Now, a couple mm. of songs within the musical might just be kind of pure raw emotion, like just like a big ballad that will sit there and yeah. it will be what it will be. But even within those, there'll be kind of tiny nuggets of information that really are furthering the plot. Um, although I have to say, like in, in mainstream music these days, I mean, because we are not the coolest people on earth. We really, really are. I think you guys so, are very cool, by the way. Um, so we probably shouldn't be here. But that. Yeah. I listen to Radio 1 a lot in the car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> claim to fame. <laughs> and I have to say, like, I have noticed as a kind of, as a really objective observer, because I really don't claim to know anything about mainstream stuff. Um, I think things are getting more specific and more niche. Like the past five years, you know, we grew up 90s, noughties with these kind of quite generic lyrics and ideas and kind yeah. of the pop, early days dance pop, and pop yeah. and i feel like people now you know like billy eilish and people like that yeah. where they'll yeah. if you think about it they're being really specific and original and i actually really listen to those lyrics and they're sometimes almost brutally honest and i think everything these days is about authenticity which is a great thing and i think from what I hear as an objective observer, I think that is coming through in mainstream more. And Very in cool. a way that is more similar to musical theatre because you'll yeah. hear, you know, someone will break, someone's able to break through with a song that really is just quite quirky or like talks about something quite strange. And then is a hit almost because, because of that. Because it's strange. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, we love stories, don't we? We're, yeah, you know, we're naturally drawn to exactly. I feel like people are storytelling a lot now, and and maybe that's grown. Sorry, I'm like waffling here, but no, maybe that's grown from because people are tending to produce their own music now more, you know, and with streaming and stuff, and labels not necessarily being like something you have to have, and people sat at home in their computers and writing themselves. That it's bound to end up being more authentic, perhaps. Like people are taking their own risks. Because you have to, and you said like the the idea is in and of itself, it has to be unique to break through. Yeah, yeah. Which is what you guys, I mean, but then again, how do you do that when you also have to tick so many boxes in the musical? Because you've got, how many songs have you got, do you think? 14, They're about 15, it's like 13, and then a couple of reprises, so. Yeah. I mean, I've always been keen on, and you know, most shows do have this, but there are a couple of songs which I think we've been aware that we want them to have a, a little bit of a life outside of the show and you know okay, and, cool. and the um amy manford's forevermore which is which Maybe is coming out that. on yeah. friday you know that's something which suits the show brilliantly uh but you know has a very mainstream sound and and really sits very comfortably outside of a of a stage of a musical theater context yeah um and you know i i'm per, i've always drawn slightly more to those songs that can have it lead a double life a little bit. I, um, I completely agree. Because ha- having been a real fan of both, I have to say, when, when you showed me Amy's exclusive on that one, thank you. Um, <laughs> no problem. As soon as I saw the video, really good job on that as well. But I could hear the song, but I was going, okay, she's telling a story about a certain thing, but it wasn't as obvious as it literally bring me to the fleece. 
the contrast yeah. between that and Forevermore. You know, it's it's like a love song. It's uh, you know, obviously it's slightly different, but I think you guys did an amazing job on on that. So that that's Thank really you. clever having a, an external thought on that and it comes across very well. But I'd imagine the context of the show, it still absolutely nails your point. That's the thing. Yeah, it still works within I think with that one it's more like I was saying, there might be a couple of big emotional numbers where they're almost bigger than the show. Like if they could resonate with every, sometimes you're touched by what you hear in a musical because you're f- feeling empathy towards a particular character. Yeah. Like they're really in the moment and that can be really moving. And sometimes with a song like Forevermore, where it has a more mainstream sound, it kind of dwells on one emotion for the whole length of the song rather than rattling through all those topics yeah. like I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I guess at that point, it would move you in the context of the stage show for different reasons, that it felt like it was about something bigger than the show, which applied to to lots of people. And I guess maybe that's maybe that's where there could be a bit of a division between mainstream and a musical, is that mainstream, the the topic, which would often be like, love or like loss of love mostly will speak to a lot of people and and they'll listen to that and they'll find something of themselves in that or it will resonate with them in some way whereas musical theater is someone going on about something very specific to them and that might be a character in another world in another time literally whatever that you could never have very much in common with but it might move you because you feel empathetic towards them if that makes because sense. Because you've gone for a broader aspect of that emotion and, and ran it home rather than I'm going to go and kill the said as I go, you might yeah. get that. But you yeah. guys, are, I don't, you obviously, you keep saying, because um, you're such nice people, self effacing, that you're not, you're well versed in commercial music, but the amount of parallels, you guys are essentially writing a, a large album, you know, in the way <laughs> you're doing it. Like you're not just writing a song or, you know, you're writing a script, you're writing an album, you're looking at ballads, you're looking at singles, you're looking at storytelling. So, you guys got to give yourself some real credit for that because it's, it's oh, really impressive. Well, as you yeah. said at the start, why a musical? I think that was yeah. your second question. You're mad. Yeah. You are, you know, I mean, it's a, yeah. someone once described it as, yeah, it's a juggernaut. You've just got to keep pushing and pushing, getting it, you know, a heavy old thing and trying to get up over the top of the hill. Yeah. And either it rolls all the way back to the bottom or, you know, hopefully it, um, it goes down the other side and picks up speed. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. And stay tuned for part two of our interview with Amy and Nick. To find out more about us and to get in touch, please head over to I Wish I Knew That Pod on Instagram. And don't forget to join the conversation on our Facebook community. Please also remember to email your questions about songwriting to I Wish I Knew That Pod at gmail.com. And we will answer these on our upcoming episodes. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this, we would really love it if you could give it a share or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And Jamie and I will talk to you on the next episode.